Welcome to Dense in the Darkness, the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative. We empower pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. I'm your host, Tim Madeira from WRGN Radio, and I'm here with NEC's president, Dan Nichols. This month, we have Pastor Sal Mayorana from Waymark, Pennsylvania with us. Dan, tell us why you wanted to invite Sal to be with us today. What's up, Tim? Man, I'm so excited to have my friend Sal on the podcast with us today. We first met a little less than a decade ago at an international mission strategy meeting with a bunch of other Northeast PA churches. And I could tell Sal was the real deal right away. In all seriousness, this guy is one of the biggest hearts for people far from God that you've ever seen, that I've ever seen. And what God's done through him and his incredible team at Waymar Church is so supernaturally special. That's a lot of S's, but it really is. I really wanted to have our listeners just hear more about the life change that's taking place through Waymart's ministry. That is fantastic. And we've gotten to know Sal a little bit through the processing time that we do through NEC. And if you're interested in that processing time, make sure you shoot us an email about that. We would love to get you as a leader involved in that processing time. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sal, why don't you start off telling us a little bit about your family, how you came to Christ, and your ministry in Waymart? Okay, well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Basically started 50 plus years ago, born into a family, youngest of five. My parents were Catholic growing up, brought up morally good, spiritually dead. We moved from Queens, New York City area, up to upstate New York. And there was a woman who would drive by our house uh, that my parents were remodeling. They saw my sisters out on the lawn and invited them to something called Pioneer Girls at a local church. And uh, my mom would not uh, send them alone. So she would go. She would sit in the back of the room and uh, she would hear the gospel. And oh, I love the that. Gos- a good Italian mom. That's it. That's it. So it, it was, it was uh, crazy because my mom was genuinely transformed. Um, when my mom passed, my gift was a stack of duct tape and uh, electrical taped Bibles that she had gone through. And um, from watching the, that transformation in her life, I definitely knew something happened, but I still rejected it. Uh, started working uh, away from the home when I was a young in high school. I would work in Manhattan during the summer, come back home, and went to a Christian school. My parents uh, thought it would be best to give us a Christian education, and they were good people. It was a good church, but there was not life in their faith. And I could never figure out how the God that they were trying to, quote, market to us was a God who you could have a relationship with because I could not jump through the hoops. I couldn't do what he wanted me to do. I grew up in a more of a legalistic setting. Mm -hmm. So really struggled with trying to figure out who this God was, rejected him until I was 26 years old, uh, living in uh, Miami, Florida at the time, uh, knowing that God was real. He had started poking in my life as he had never stopped, but I had become more sensitive to it. And in 1993, just had a crazy uh, spiritual awakening through a whole series of uh, difficult events. Um, I had actually done really well in business. I was empty. I was bored. And there was really nothing to live for. And God just intervened supernaturally one night. And remember getting off my hands and knees screaming, um, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And I had a Bible that I had carried for years and I started reading it. Mm. And 
uh, in the front cover, it said, I can't believe I wrote, I can't believe this is the same God that I was told about growing up. And when I met God, I asked God point blank, what do you want me to do? And it was make me known in a way where people can find me. And that's, that's been the journey since then. Wow. Now you wound up at a church in Waymart. Let's talk about that church before you arrived. Church in Waymart had been here about a hundred years. They had gone through different uh, ups and downs over the years, but then um, really became irrelevant to the community in which they were in. Um, great people. And there were probably 12 or 14 when I came. Mm. And of the 12 or 14, uh, probably 12 liked me. Um, <laughs> um, we did have some challenges and the challenges were beautiful challenges, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And it was, it was a calling up for all of us. When I came to Waymart, I was hurting. I was wounded from a difficult uh, ministry experience previously. So I had never heard of Waymart. Uh, God did his thing in getting me here supernaturally through the way he works with his chain of events. But the church had great people who were uh, looking to be led. Mm. Now, you mentioned some obstacles. I know through the years since we've known each other, uh, you've shared those with me. And that's helped me as a, a younger uh, pastor and, and ministry leader. Can you share some of those challenges, some of those obstacles? And how, how did you overcome them? I think ultimately it was coming to the place that the gospel um, is couched in the love of Almighty God. And it's not how much of his word that you know, it's how much of him do you know. Mm. And we had good people who knew uh, information from God's word, but had not experienced the fullness of that relationship. And each week it was redefining uh, what church is, redefining who God is, redefining what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. I do recall one day uh, sharing on a Sunday morning that as we fulfill the mission that we're called to fulfill here in Waymart and our surrounding communities, that we may have people who struggle with drug addiction, people who struggle with same-sex attraction. And no sooner did I say that, um, one of the individuals who had been in the church a long time stood up crossed his arms and said, I don't want no scumbag gays in my church. And that may be something uh, that instantaneously I recalled an older pastor telling me in situations where you see no way out, you could pray, God changed me, change him, change my address, change his address. Mm. And as a result, um, this gentleman uh, did end up, parting ways with us because where we were going um, and we didn't know where we were going. There was no master plan. It was just simply every day presenting the truth of the gospel. Yes. For everyone. Yes. And from that point on, it was almost as if the spirit returned and incrementally there was a freedom to teach a freedom to lead a freedom to be loved. And apart from the people of the way church, I would not be who I am. And I thank God for them. How do you, as you're talking about this, and I was listening to you, I'm like, how do you identify which one is the one that needs to change address? Uh, it's a tough decision, but a lot of pastors have to make that. They're like, well, I, I see where this could go, but I also see the obstacles. And any thoughts on that? 
I believe that many of us pull the plug too soon. And I think that we take life, culture, our own brokenness, and we determine that, well, God must be moving me or God must be. And obedience to the point of death to self is what's needed. And it is a long, hard journey that never ends. And ultimate death to self comes Philippians 1, 6, when I meet Christ face to face. But in the interim, there are no options in regards to obedience. And my journey is not one where I'm, I'm the excited guy to get up every Sunday morning and preach. I, I somehow prefer less than the limelight. But because of what God has called me to do, I have no choice but to do it. Yeah. Thoroughly find fulfillment when I do it, but struggle because I don't like the limelight. I don't like being the center of attention. I look at where we are as a church and it had nothing to do with good leadership. It had to do with obedience in the midst of hurt, confusion, anger, bitterness, and everything else. I did not want to be in Pennsylvania, wanted nothing to do with Pennsylvania, couldn't stand Pennsylvania, nothing personal to Pennsylvanians. Um, And from day one, it has been God working through sometimes a genetic heart, a heart that uh, really wasn't against the people but a heart that was selfish and fearful and insecure. But on the flip side, there was a confidence. There was a, a, a definite calling from God and an empowerment that I knew he wanted to uh, use. Yeah. I I've, I've hung out with people at Waymar church. I've been there many times. And as I've talked with the people that God's called you to lead spiritually Sal, it's been so encouraging to me to just hear their stories of how God has used you and that, that calling that you stuck with, even when it was hard. And I think that's a super important part of this conversation of whether you call it revitalization or replanting. Uh, and maybe we can even talk about that. Like, do you consider Waymart a replant or revitalization? We can come back to that, but I just want to encourage you and say, man, as I've hung out with people at Waymart church, the constant theme is everything that you're talking about, right? Like making the gospel accessible for everyone, regardless of their background, regardless of what they've come in with. And I mean, really that's what Jesus modeled for us, but the perseverance that you have continued to pour into, even when it was hard. I mean, I looked up to you a lot with that when I was being tempted early in church planning where I'm like, man, this is hard. Like, you know, I I was only a couple years in when we met and I was just like, man, like how much longer is this going to take? But we really do overestimate what we, what we, God can accomplish through us in one year. And we underestimate what he can accomplish in 10. And that's, I think a, a big key with what you've done. So anyway, on that note though, like, do you feel like Waymar is like a replant or a revitalization? Like, how do you think about it in terms of the journey? I think it was a repentance. Hmm. I think it was people coming to the place who have and had a relationship with Jesus Christ, who accepted the status quo of church, religion, Christianity, and church was an event on Sunday afternoons. And I would call it a revitalization, but it was a revitalization from repentance. Mm. Every step of the way, it was us coming to the realization that we needed to turn because what we had started to believe, what we had started to do 
was not accomplishing the Great Commission. And it's almost like raising a child um, when you hit the terrible twos and the kids up in, and having difficulty or when you hit certain stages of life. Um, you know what? I think God's calling me to not be a father to you because it's a little difficult right now. But then you end up with a 10, 12, 15 year old who the, the greatest joy is seeing how God has grown them. Yes. And being here at the Waymark church, 10 years, it takes a lifetime for people to grow. Mm-hmm. And some individuals have their plan for what the ministry should look like. They have their vision. They have their dream. They have uh, where they're going. And we have never had that. Everything we have done from day one is taking the abilities we've have in leadership and submitting them to the leadership of Jesus Christ. Mm. So I, I mean, I worked on wall street for years. I worked in the Cayman islands and international banking. I ran my own businesses. I was successful when it came to leading in a secular realm, but I couldn't transfer secular leadership. And as a result, I lost my identity because leadership in the church does not look like secular leadership Mm. and growing up, it was put the guy who owns a business in the elder position, hire a new pastor. He used to work at this fancy business, pull him in. And what I have seen is God just works through the simple people, uh, whatever their gifts are, whoever they are, to build his body. So this last month, we had uh, six individuals share from the pulpit because the way our church Lord willing, will be something way better in the future than it is now. Mm. My plan is for years and years of gospel influence in this community if Christ doesn't return. And it doesn't come from the pulpit. It, it's motivated from the pulpit, but it comes from the heart of people being genuine and vulnerable yes. and honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Dan and I have had this conversation about the time that it takes, the investment, and then the different stages of growth. And it is much more a comparison to a father and children than it is to a business leader and his company. That conversation, as Dan had you know, been working at Restored Church and saying, we've moved from the new hot thing to, you know, live in life in the trenches with the people who are here and you get through the terrible twos and the, and, and it's a challenge, but if we can learn to embrace that like we do with our children and see those things, the growth and, and, and be able to celebrate that growth, it can make a huge impact on the way we reflect as leaders on the ministry that God has called us to. But I think my journey in church planning was so different than what you have been called to Sal. because in planting, you get to put the DNA like right in there from the very get go. And so in some ways it's a lot easier. Now in other ways it's difficult because you, you lack resources, blah, blah, blah. But the, but the fun part of it is you get to set the DNA from the very get go. But what you came into was a church over a hundred years old with a lot of history and a lot of DNA, kind of like that story you shared with that gentleman and trying to turn that over time. But man, just seeing what God has done to see Waymar church be irrelevant 10 years ago to the community. And now, I mean, just, I mean, you have so many life change stories. Could you share a few more uh, with us just of, I mean, I know there's too many to share in this short half hour, but share Something a couple with simplistic. us. I got a text. Uh, four days ago, three days ago from a gentleman, he said, you'd be proud of me. And he just left it at that. So the next day, actually Sunday, he came up to me, he said, Hey, listen, I bought a trailer yesterday 
And when I went and registered it, I actually wrote down how much I paid for it on the, on the <laughs> there documents. You <laughs> there you and go. Like, that's it. Or another man saying, you know, from last year to this year, I have consumed half the amount of weed that I did a year ago. Mm. And I'm like, I'm proud of you, bro. I'm mm-hmm. proud of you. And what we do is, um, and it's not for everyone. What we've chosen to do is we engage people instantaneously. So if someone comes in, part of their healing process is being used by God. It's not sitting on a bench waiting till they meet some spiritual mark that says, okay, now you're ready. Mm-hmm. And I understand the dynamics and it, it's not quite as simplistic as I'm saying, but we believe in bottom up. We believe that when somebody comes with an idea that God has planted in their heart, we will do everything we can to help them fulfill what they believe God is calling them to do checks and balances in place. And then we see a group of five or six or eight, 10, 12, 15 people get connected to something with one individual who has the passion to run it. Oh yeah. And it develops into something and it develops into something. So a lot of our leadership has been this beautiful, organic um, bottom up growth where people, when the passion hits them or the calling or something from God or Maybe, maybe they're not as connected as they need to be from God, but they know what they want to try. Then we come alongside and mentor and guide them through. So we have different ministries that have started. We have a men's ministry and women's ministry on Monday night. And it's, it's a meal. And then it's a time of teaching, testimony, and uh, fellowship, three old-fashioned words. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is it's a bunch of 58 guys last night getting together, wow. talking to each other at tables wow. and sharing stories oh, and then having a 23-year-old who's married, I'm sorry, 26-year-old this week, sharing his story. And he's, he's in that place where he knows that he wants faith to be a part of his life. He's trusted in Christ. He has a beautiful wife, beautiful daughter, still a broken man. And he has opened and vulnerable enough to say, you know what, I'm here. I'm struggling at times with these issues, but I know that God has something bigger. Mm. And that spoke volumes to the men last night. We probably had another 25 or 30 women in another room. Mm. And then at one o'clock in the afternoon, it looks like cocoon. We have probably seven to nine retired guys come uh, in their seventies and eighties and they cook the meal. And it is beyond restaurant quality. It's a high quality meal so that our folks can come in. Those who are widows or widowers, single, divorced, uh, we send food home with them. So a lot of different hand touch ministries. And so I I know in this season with COVID uh, and just the economic uncertainty of the future, a lot of pastors, a lot of ministry leaders are just concerned about provision, right? Like how is God going to take care of you know, me and my family financially, how's God going to take care of our church financially? Could you just share a little bit about how God is just over the top provided for you and Waymark Church every step of the way as you've taken those incremental steps of obedience and faith? Yeah, we um, put very little stock in what's happening around us. And obviously we tried to honor and respect the reality that there were people suffering and uh, COVID was real. We've had, we've had deaths in our church. We've had different things, but at no point did COVID thwart the, uh, the mission in which we thought we were called, which is just everyday loving people where they're at. Over the years, I have watched God do crazy things 
in the Waymart church and through the Waymart church. Um, when I first came to Waymart, I had a commute for three years because I lived in New York. And right. in the beginning, they were gracious. I got $100 a week. And then about two months later, I went to $200 a week. Dang. <laughs> and uh, that one elder that I mentioned earlier uh, tried to take away the extra 100 because he had said, it ain't my fault that you live 85 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> so I had the privilege of commuting for three years and watching God grow the ministry. And we had something called midweek recharge every Wednesday night where we take the Sunday message and just rehash it and talk about it. And how do we apply it to everyday life? And that grew and grew and grew. And we saw the church progress from 12, 14 people on a Sunday to 30, 40, 50, 60. And it just kept going to the point where the building we were in could no longer uh, house or, or really meet the needs. Yeah. And just praying, say, God, what's next? And there was a nursing home in town. Um, in our present church, it was about 4,000 square feet. We had two bathrooms on the lower floor. And our elderly folks actually wouldn't come to church because they couldn't use a restroom. And just praying and asking God, what's next? And God has been working through the community because in our community, there are individuals who are coming to Christ who were genuinely transformed and they were influencing the people around them. So because of that, um, when it was time to ask God what's next, as this uh, nursing home became available, we were able to uh, move into this new nursing home. We were able to get rid of our other building and parsonage part of the process, but then a large portion uh, of gifting took place all through. Uh, so now the nursing home is that we're in the building that we're in now is about 23,000 square feet and we have 23 bathrooms. And, <laughs> and it's hysterical because you're not able to just simply say, Hey, I'm coming to church on Thursday to use a room because there's so much going on now in good ways that people have to, Hey, is this available? Or is that available? And it, it's not your stereotypical, let's just pack the calendar. Every event, everything we do has intentionality and um, a lot of it, again, bottom up where people are saying this is a passion and watching those things percolate mm. uh, Christmas Eve this year, by God's grace, we had three, three live services and excess of 600 people came. Wow. Mm. Wow. Now this has been a 10 year process. What preserved you through this process? What is it that kept you going? Because it's not easy, and it didn't happen fast. I have a phenomenal wife. I married over my head. I have a woman who loves God. I have a woman who, uh, in my life, who loves me and uniquely gifted to be married to me. And she has been the greatest encouragement. The leadership team at the church is just an absolute joy to have friends, to have vulnerability, to have transparency. Um, I've never been in a ministry that was marked by peace as opposed to conflict. Mm. Um, I think some of the greatest conflict we have is if we serve too much Italian food on Monday nights. Because <laughs> And the problem with that is what now, Sal? Exactly. <laughs> but God has done just absolutely crazy things 
in regards to the relationships, in regards to support. I have some men. Uh, Don McCall is a dear friend. I have uh, individuals who I will call out to when, when I need a tweak in my spirit or a kick in my butt. And uh, so the biggest, the biggest place for victory over the last 10 years came from having the right people in my life and making sure I was always honest and open with them and letting them have the power to speak in and direct. How do you identify those right people? Because we want to look for the perfect person, and I'm sure that each person that's a part of your team is not the perfect person, because I think you've expressed that already. I mean, you're allowing people to minister out of their brokenness. How do you surround yourself with the right guys? Um, I don't know if I've ever looked for the right guys. I think God has always provided for me people. And I believe that's part of what we've been doing here at the church is to make sure that the people who are here in the church know that there's somebody here placed by God to be part of your growth movement forward. So I had no clue that Don McCall would become uh, a significant part of my life. And over the course of time and looking at what he has been through, where he is in life at this stage and understanding his spirit. So God brings them, and then I just discern whether or not and what role they play. Well, if people have not heard your heart and heard what your desires are as far as ministry, and then also the desire to see God work in an area, and the success that can come when we turn that over to the Lord, uh, I think that's huge. I think that's something that we need to take away from this conversation because it is so easy for us to think it's all about us. And I, I hear from you, Sal, it is not about me. And that makes a big difference. But it is and has been a difficult and challenging season, especially for leaders. And I think especially if it's been in the past about us, how can we pray for you during this difficult season? Um, <clears throat> I put two questions on the screen on Sunday. Can I hear and do I care? And the question is hearing the spirit speak to you through his word, um, through the spirit, through others. And my ultimate prayer is, God, I don't want to ever not hear you. I want, I want to hear you and what you say. And we have made mistakes. We have had difficulties at times. But every step of the way, there's a unified team who is agendaless. They don't have an agenda. We all have the same desire. We've removed the uh, solidification of methods that um, even now we've been here 10 years and we're already finding that some of the things we do uh, just don't work. So we won't hold on to them. We'll adjust. I think for me, God, I just want to hear your voice on a regular basis. I just want to know that I'm, I'm connected and following you. I don't want my thoughts to get intermingled with your leadership. And I think in praying for me in that way would be a great benefit. But then as I look at, um, which is weird for me, younger pastors, I was the younger pastor. Now I look around and I'm not the younger pastor <laughs> and I'm watching ministries. And there are some times that you can see the beauty of what God is doing 
And then you could also see the, the boundaries that are getting uh, very unclear, where they may be getting closer to places where uh, I'm not sure if that's God leading where you're going or it's self-leading. But as I, as I age, I look at some of the younger pastors and just pray that they would grow in their deep desire to hear God for their unique church. I am very supportive of what NEC is doing, very supportive of other ministries that offer resources, but so often we run to the resource before we run to the resource giver. And we Mm. sometimes identify a package we think will work in our local church. And God is saying, you are the package. You're the one I want to use. You're the one I want to. So, so gain, listen, receive, but make sure what you're doing is unique to what I want done there. And, you know, Sal, for what God's called me to uh, for the foreseeable future uh, here in, in upstate New York, I just want to say as an encouragement, because of our friendship and our interactions, everything that you just shared has really helped and shaped me for this calling. Uh, I just had a meeting with a 93 year old member of our church who is like the coolest 93 year old guy you've ever met. Uh, a story. So uh, is unbelievable story, uh, immigrant from Germany. And he just has so many amazing stories, but what he shared with me was some feedback after seven, me being here for seven months, he shared with me some feedback that he felt would really help me. Uh, and man, I gotta tell you, because of your input in my life, because of you like speaking into my life, that conversation was so different than what it would have been, you know, when I was in my twenties, like when I was in my twenties, that conversation would have been really hard, but because of your interaction, my life and others, now I'm able to receive it from the Lord and go, man, you know, here's where I think God is speaking to me through it. Right. Like not necessarily taking everything lock, stock and barrel and just running with it, but really discerning the voice of God. And that's what uh, Werner wanted me to do. He said, listen, I'm, I'm here just because God wants me to be here. Take what you feel like is from God. But I just want to encourage you, Sal, because you have taken the time to invest in younger leaders like me and to do podcasts like this and to follow God's calling in Waymart. It's incredible to see what God is doing, not only in Waymart, but also in other leaders and hopefully around our Northeast collaborative community. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been really, really good to have you with us, Sal, today. I, I know that our leaders are going to be encouraged by what you shared. I know that they will be at least hearing and listening now to God's voice and being aware of what God can do. You've been listening to Dense in the Darkness. This is the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative as we seek to empower pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. 